Hi, this is Kim Hankins from the McHenry County College Sustainability Center. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in three, two, one. Ladies and diners, I make you a shameful, degrading confession. A deed of disgrace in the name of good taste, though I did it, I meant no aggression. I had planted a garden last April and lovingly sang it a ballad. But later in June, beneath the full moon, forgive me, I wanted a salad. <laughs> so I, I slipped out and fondled a carrot, <laughs> caressing its feathery top. With the force of a brute, I tore out the root and it whimpered and came with a pop. <laughs> and laying my hand on a radish, I jerked and it left a small crater. Then with the blade of my true value spade, <laughs> I exhumed a slumbering tater. <laughs> Celery I plucked, I twisted a squash. Tomatoes were wincing in fear. <laughs> I choked the romaine and it screamed out in pain. Their anguish was filling my ears. I, I finally came to the lettuce as it cringed at the top of the row. With one wicked slice, I beheaded it twice. As it writhed, I dealt a death blow. I butchered the onions and parsley. So my hoe was all covered with gore. I chopped and I whacked without looking back. Then I stealthily slipped in the door. My bounty lay naked. Dying. So I drowned them to snuff out their life. I sliced and I peeled as they thrashed and they reeled on the cutting board under my knife. I violated tomatoes so their innards could never survive. I grated and ground till they made not a sound and I boiled the tater alive. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio, flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This week's show is brought to you by. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. And looky here, somebody just drove all the way down from another major market city, all the way down Lake Michigan, about 90 miles, uh, and that's uh, Melinda Myers, who is 
the queen of all horticultural media. And this is why I came down here. Now I'm done. I can leave. <laughs> That's it. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. She came down just to, no, she just to hear the opening. That's uh, right. That was great. And uh, who was that, Peggy? Baxter Black. Baxter Black, who I had never heard of. And uh, then I'm, I'm cruising the inner tubes the other day, uh, as is my want sometimes uh, to find something to start the show with. You know, I, and let me, let me say something about that to folks who, who listen to the program. And they'll, I usually play some sort of bit at the beginning of the show that relates to gardening or the environment in some way, shape, or form. A warning. It doesn't necessarily relate to anything that's going to be in that particular show. It's just... It's a random whim. It's a random whim, right. Just something I like, and I'm going to put in there uh, just to get the juices going. So, and what was his name again? Baxter Black. Baxter Black. Why can't I remember that? So, I just found this clip, and I went, okay, From this an is old it. Johnny Carson show. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was a, yeah. a, a cowboy poet. That is great. Guy's got a big handlebar mustache. Yeah, he does, and a cowboy hat and... Uh, and the, and the whole thing, and it was very funny. My Johnny Carson memory from my childhood was this older woman, gardener, came on with her paper whites and a bottle of gin. And she talked to <laughs> So you can see the picture right now. Talk to Johnny about using alcohol to stunt the growth of paper whites. Well, fast forward 30-some years, Cornell did research and found that, yes, 80-proof alcohol, and I think it's a one-to-seven mix, <laughs> One cup of the, check the web, just to make sure I'm remembering this right, to seven parts water. That when those bulbs are two inches high, substitute the water in your rock, you know, base paper whites and use that. And that will help stunt and prevent flopping. So for some reason, that show stuck to my, stuck in my mind. And then all these years here, it's true. And there's your gardening tip of the day. <laughs> and all I have Thank to say. Thank you, Melinda. All I have to say about that. <laughs> this is the kind of science we have on this show. Uh, you got any other goodies that you could pull out of the bag there? Not yet, but I'm sure a few will come to me. <laughs> All right. and that's, that's right. You did say you had an extra shot of caffeine in your I chai. I did. Oh, so I had a dirty is... chai latte, something new. And boy, I'm <laughs> wired for the day. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Give us a call, 877-711-5611. Doesn't matter if you do or you don't. We're going to talk gardening anyway because it's Melinda. And we know how to fill up an hour. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. You can also go to melindamyers.com, and that's spelled M-Y-E-R-S.com. And we're going to just talk all kinds of cool stuff. So stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X. The award-winning all-electric SUV and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on, we all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at IllinoisSolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018, and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today.
And now, for something completely different for the season, the Frozen Robins. Oh, holy night. Late December, back in 1 B.C. T'was the night of the nativity. What a baby, what a night. Talented, funny, unique, the Frozen Robins are Chicago's number one caroling group. Exquisite harmonies, madcap improvisation, holiday sketches and characters, even a 10-minute version of It's a Wonderful Life. They are definitely not your mother's carolers. Go to frozenrobins.com or contact me, Mike, at mikenovak.net. Because I'm not just a fan of the Frozen Robins, I are one. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Everybody dance. Your mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Hoping that... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg isn't listening right now. <laughs> and He's off having chai. He's, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not with that espresso shot. Uh, that was the biggest espresso shot, wasn't it? <laughs> and we're very pleased to have in our studio Melinda Myers, and you've seen her on stage screen and <laughs> television. Well, maybe not stage. Yeah, you're on stage. Okay. Speaking about gardening. Yeah, so you were Different speak- kind of stage. You were speaking up in Wisconsin just yesterday. I was. I was at the Museum of Wisconsin Art in West Bend, and it's this beautiful, small art museum, and they do, like many art museums, have uh, florist, amateur or professional, do arrangements related to the artwork. And it's always really mm-hmm. cool to see how people interpret that. But that, the didn't that use. start at uh, the Milwaukee, ma'am? Uh, yeah, Milwaukee Mil- Art, art Museum. Museum. Yes. Yeah. And so it's kind of spread around the country. And I, I, what I think is so exciting is gardening is such a great form of art that we often don't think about it as art. Mm-hmm. And so bringing those two elements together, gardeners into the world of art and artists into the world of gardening, that I think it's just a perfect match. I like that. I, I, you know, I love interpretations uh, of art uh, in arrangements because they're usually so creative. And I was, uh, I got asked to speak at the Milwaukee Art Museum. Okay. It was the first or second year they were doing this. Uh, so I came up there a couple of years and, and and did talks up there, and I really enjoyed uh, seeing um, the uh, the exhibit. And the other thing they do that's really cool, because I have two grandkids, is Lois Ehlert, E-H-L-E-R-T, I think I'm spelling her name right, is an, a children's book author, and she does a lot with animals and vegetables, and she w- she would be in the in the crafty area, and they one year created a garden on the wall. So the way they made carrots out of cones of orange paper and then crinkled the greens and then they had twine to be the vines and leaves and she got kids excited about growing a Mm -hmm. garden and that's what her books do and so i i always love it she's such a wonderful um and such a kind and generous author but she's getting kids and their parents excited and grandparents about gardening and art and bringing it all together and that just triggered something in my head because i did a talk in in chicago last monday uh and I got to talking about your garden as art. 
Um, but one of the things I said, and, and this is me being funny, but also being contrarian. And uh, <laughs> You? <yeah. laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, anyway, uh, I got to talking about these books that come out occasionally in the gardening world. The color blue in your garden. And I just roll my eyes when I see those because who's got the wherewithal to do that, all right? It might be nice to know, so get, devote a page to it, not a, <laughs> not a book, all right? And, and as I told the folks there in, in, at the garden club I was speaking to, I said, let's be realistic. Most of us just want healthy plants. And I said, garden design for people like us is overrated, it really is. Garden color schemes are overrated. It's a matter of just put a mass enough stuff and you're going to get something beautiful. You bet. I was lucky enough to take a group of gardeners up to Alaska and we did a tour and we went through Anchorage and you've never seen every color of the rainbow in one garden. And it worked because of the long days, the cooler temperatures, the healthy plants. It was gorgeous. And the, the woman leading the bus tour said, as you can see, we like every color, color <laughs> and we like it all in one garden plot. <laughs> and I thought that is such a great way. They have a short growing season and we're going to enjoy it all. And I think that's what gardening, like you're saying, Mike, is all about, mm -hmm. is enjoy your garden. And um, I heard some woman uh, speak and she said, it's my garden, I don't care what you think. That was the title <laughs> of her talk. And I thought that is great because I've had to write that one down. That, yeah. <laughs> because it is true. It's your garden. And if it makes you happy, yeah. that's all that matters. Don't mm -hmm. stress out over having it match the book. Exactly. Because right. the plants and, have a different, something different and planned anyway. <laughs> well, and, and again, that, that was my point is just make them, you set it up so they're going to be healthy. And once you've accomplished that, now you get to tweak. Now right. you get to play around the edges a little bit. But if things are dropping dead and <laughs> overgrown and, you know. Even if they're blue, they're going to look ugly. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't matter. And there's so little blue out there anyway. <laughs> You know, how can you even write a book about garden blues? Because no, you can't grow more than two blue plants it, at a time it, in your yard. And it must be blue from that wide spectrum of those red plants they call blue oh, yeah. that you look at to the very purple plants they call blue. And you're really? So. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and Kathleen and I go round and round on colors all the time anyway. Because okay. <laughs> I'll go, that's red. She'll go, no, that's orange. No, no, no. Actually, it's red. No, that's orange. Okay, fine. What, whatever you say. Can so, we just leave it there? <laughs> yeah. So, so the point is, you know, and everybody says gardening should be fun. Well, you know, gardening's hard work. It really is. Um, but it can be fun too. Uh, uh, go ahead. Oh, sure. I was just gonna say, and and hard work is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of lamenting the end of the growing season, though it can't end yet because I have a lot to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. But. <laughs> What am I going to do to relieve my stress and to find my joyful spot and mm -hmm. spirit for the next few months? Because honestly, I think a lot of us were digging in the soil and planting and tending our gardens just to bring us joy. Mm -hmm. Even though it's hard work, it's stress relief. It elevates our mood. All those things that science has now proved that we as gardeners know. And you're right. It's hard work. But boy, it brings a lot of us a lot of joy. It does. It does. And actually, that's a great segue because it's getting cold in a lot of places. We, we've now, even in Chicago, in my backyard, in the middle of the heat island of the city, I've had hard freeze for two. I got buckets of water that are frozen solid. 
Okay. I, in fact, the bird bath is the frozen. bird bath is frozen salad. The uh, daffodils bulbs that I left outside <laughs> are are now mush. I I had Oops. to pry them uh, off, off the ground uh, and then bring them inside. I said, oh, maybe I can. Maybe no, they're all right. No, well, they're that not. doesn't make me feel well feel no. very good because I was bringing in pots of cannas and things the other <laughs> night, going, I hope that just because the soil's frozen solid, they're okay. We'll see. They're thawing out in my. Sh- in my garage. So yeah, we'll and, and you never know. That's right. I, I never brought, give up hope. I brought in a flat of some things, uh, and I said, I'll bet some of them are still okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. But the point is we're in that awkward in-between period where it freezes, and then it gets above freezing for a few days, and then it goes below freezing. And you were telling me in an email, you could still get stuff done. Oh, you bet. I mean, if you have bulbs, don't give up. Unless, of course, you left them outside and they're frozen in mush, then maybe give up. But yeah, yeah I know. We all have those. I, you know, but for we those of those. us who have the Shut bulbs up, in, the, <laughs> in the box on the kitchen counter staring at You're, us. You need to get yeah. busy. But yeah. yes, you can break through that frosty layer. And if we get those warm days that they're predicting mm-hmm. in some parts of the country, it'll be a lot easier than others. I have an auger bit on my drill ready to <laughs> go through that frost layer. Be harder for the squirrels to get at them. It, you know, I was talking to Ron Cowgill yesterday from Mighty House, uh, and he said, yeah, you got the drill bit going. And I said, I usually don't use that, but it might come in handy at this time of year. Yeah, exactly. And healing in plants. Get the hoses in if you haven't. We were running around like crazy this week going, drat. We thought okay. we had another week. So that's a, a, a phrase, healing in plants. What does that mean? Thank you for it. So basically all those plants you couldn't resist but couldn't get in the ground, you need to protect their roots because those small pots and containers exposed to the extreme cold temperatures that many of us experience in the winter, they're going to die. So we mm-hmm. need to either dig a trench and set those pots in that trench, cover the root system, the container with soil because that's going to insulate the roots. Um, If your soil is frozen or you don't have space or I'm going to group a lot of mine together because I have two more money that I can't dig and then cover it with wood chips and bury Mm -hmm. those. I had a lot of perennials and trees. I'm, I'm encroaching okay, on your space. Okay, okay. Yeah, we got to move that microphone. <laughs> yeah, I will. Okay. No, wait. What's, what's the way to do it? All right, you, you stand here. Okay. Now we can actually okay. kind of see you. There we go. I was trying to hide in the corner. <laughs> my, my apologies to people just listening on the radio, okay. but uh, we're doing this live on Facebook as well, on video. And yeah. I want people to be able to see okay. the lovely yeah. Melinda Myers. We were seeing the top of your head. Oh, so. okay. That's maybe not the best. Yeah. So we were, ta- <laughs> we're talking about healing in Thank plants. Thank you, Peggy. So th- a couple things. Oh, and so, it's still working. Oh, so well, dig never a mind. Trench. Okay. So dig a trench and set your plants in and then pull the soil back or yeah. throw in wood chips. If you don't have, if you can't break through the soil or have a vacant space, put your plants together yeah. so that helps volume. And then throw wood chips, bags of potting mix, bags of wood chip mulch, whatever you have. What I did when I lived in the city, and I still do to some extent, is all my annual pots, they're dead anyway. And if they're in a weatherproof container, like a plastic pot, I set those around the things I'm trying to preserve. Ah. And then I compost them in the wind, in the spring, so I have that added insulation. So mm-hmm. any way you can protect the roots is the key. And um, anytime the soil's thawed in dry water. And also an unheated garage, I've had good success mm-hmm. overwintering that way, too. So uh, let me ask you a question about that, and then I'm going to adjust that mic a little more. Uh, it's, it's just driving <laughs> me crazy. The break. Uh, uh, <laughs> he the... really just wants to see me run back and forth. In the no, I just, I just can't believe it. We can't figure this out. This is not rocket surgery. Uh, but uh, in terms of 
healing in those plants. So you could leave them in pots and just put them in the ground. And, and uh, you're saying that, like you said, if you can't even dig it in, just pile stuff around it. Exactly. So if you have a compost pile that hasn't frozen, wood chips that haven't frozen, yeah. bags of potting mix or soil yeah. amendment. So, okay. There we go. <laughs> okay. Hey, I think that's better. That's definitely better. Yeah, okay, uh, thanks. Pot, you know, bags of potting mix, soil amendment, anything that's going to insulate the roots, mm -hmm. that would be good. So you might want to try that. Okay. So, so what about moving it go. into the garage? Okay. So an unheated garage. And what I usually do is try to keep it away from the door. Mm -hmm. Sometimes set it on a wooden, if you have cement, you know, a wood plank or something to, to help provide some insulation. Most of us have stuff in the garage that we can pile no, around. No, I'll lend you some. And, uh, and anytime the soil's thawed and dry, you need to water. So mm -hmm. really where I see that fail is when we have that warm spell. You get a warm break yeah. in the winter, you know, 60, 70 degrees, things warm up, the soil thaws out, it dries out, the roots desiccate or dry out, uh, and the plants die. So it's not the cold that killed them. It's usually that warm period where we ignored them. So if we get a warm-up outside, make sure you check and see if they need to be watered, which seems crazy, taking water to your garage. When I lived in the city, I was the crazy garden woman, and all my neighbors would just kind of make fun of me, which was great. Yeah. So I made sure they saw me take my watering can out to the garage. And then I met a smarter gardener than me, and she says, well, I just take a scoop of snow when I'm shoveling, no de-icing salt in it, throw it on each pot. Duh, what a much smarter idea. And think what her neighbors think. She's putting snow in her garage. Should we put snow in our garage? I don't know. Maybe we should. And so you get the added benefit of making your neighbors wonder. Yay. <laughs> That's what I say. Make your neighbors crazy. That's, uh, you know, you... Uh, uh, that crazy lady's at it again. Exactly. You, <laughs> Got you, a reputation to build there. You, you get your neighbors to come out and say things like... This is not normal. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> so that's... But, but that's... This is these are great tips because these are the kinds of things that people who didn't get the stuff done oh, during the season mm -hmm. say, I, I have no idea. And there actually is a science to this where you you have to water them properly, keep the temperature, can't get too high, you can't get too low. Um, you're coddling them. It's 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 a it's a little bit of work because nature would do this naturally. But here you are. You didn't get your work done, so now you got more work for yourself over the winter. I'm blaming it that we had an early frost this year. <laughs> Not that I didn't get my work done, but it happens every year yeah. to most of us, right? You can't resist that plant on sale. Um, friends of ours, Rich and Sue Air. Yeah. Um, I went and I celebrated their last fundraiser. And oh, good for you. Of course, I bought some plants. And <laughs> they're still, they follow you They home. follow me home. They jumped right in the car. <laughs> and of course, they're still in their pots waiting for that new garden bed that I thought I'd get done in September mm. <laughs> and early November. And that's not happening. What so. is it about the cobbler's children have no shoes? Uh -huh. yeah, so it, but, and, and I find that a lot, that people in the biz like us, the ones who are writing the books and doing the magazine articles are the ones that can't seem to get their own yards in order. It's because we're busy telling everyone else what to do and we're stress testing for them. That's what I say. We're pushing the <laughs> limits. We're experimenting. We are experimenting. So we know how to advise them when they're in the same situation we always are. Well, that's that's actually uh, a good thing because this is 
like right now, then you get to say on the radio, all right, here's how you keep a plant alive. <laughs> and I do it every year. <laughs> and you'd think I'd learn. I know you'd think. <laughs> well, hey, listen, I just I just turned a bunch of bulbs into mush in my backyard. So Well, you answered a compost. lot of people's questions. Exactly. It's just it's another mush, form. It's compost. It's compost. It's another form in the garden. What question did I answer that? I have people ask me that all the time. I left my bulbs out. Are they any good? And I tell them exactly what you did. You bring them in, let them thaw out. And if they're mush, to the compost pile, as Peggy said. So (laughs) So, speaking of bulbs, how late can we put them in? And if we don't put them in, is there a prayer for the spring? Good question. So we can plant bulbs until the ground freezes. And then one of my students, when I was teaching, did what he called the manhole technique. So after you have a good inch or so of frost in the ground, he'd take a pickaxe, make a little circle, lift that wedge of soil up like a manhole cover, plant the bulbs, lay that back down. So the squirrels had a hard time. That's really a lot of work. So I'm hoping I can use... that's cool. Isn't that cool? Look at Mike. He's like, I'm going out and buy more bulbs. And the the squirrels can't get that back up. Exactly. Can you do that with a sawzall? I bet you. I know. So every gardener should have a sawzall, a a cordless drill, let's see, whatever, a hardware, let's see, a drywall saw. (laughs) Somebody I was giving a talk, she goes, do I need to go to the hardware store instead of the garden center? I said, oh, these are tools that every gardener should have. But but there's some Something about taking uh, a hammer and uh, a wedge and just going around in a circle and creating the manhole and then just lifting it out. Yeah. I, I, I Look, may try that. I don't I don't hmm. know where I would do it, but... Uh, I think your neighbor's be, yard. That could be a Facebook Live video. <laughs> All right, that uh, would be fun. We need to take a break, but uh, I want to let you know that's Melinda Myers. Go to melindamyers.com, M-Y-E-R-S. Uh, you can call us, 877-711-5611, if you have any gardening questions. at this, it, we'll, we'll, we'll even talk a little bit of indoor plants, because i got some experiments going this year. Cool. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will be right back. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. This is Mike Novak. For the past couple of years, I've posted the progress of my tomato growing on social media. And each of those years, somebody said, what kind of sun do you have? My tomatoes are barely started. Folks, it's not the sun. I get my tomatoes started with Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleaf.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Jumpstart your tomatoes with better light. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products. 
that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. This is about our north side girl. And her name is Melinda Myers. Oh, I'm the far north side. You're yes. the far. That's right. Well, actually, yeah, you're right, because Peggy's the north side I gal. I thought that's who we were talking about. Now, you're, yeah, far, I'm far, 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 far north way side. up north side. North side there. of the lake. The, the, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're we're just the uh, we, see we're we're in the um, the the heat of the South here in That's Chicago. That's right, exactly. And, uh, and, and but and what I've discovered over the years, knowing people who live in Milwaukee and garden in Milwaukee, it's it, it's amazing what a difference ninety miles makes. <sighs> it it totally is. Mm-hmm. When I'd go to the Chicago Botanic Garden and see what was thriving there, or Morton Arboretum, and then come up to Milwaukee in my yard, I lived close to the lake when I was in the well. 16th Street, so closer to the lake, but still the difference is amazing. Even though we're the same yeah. hardiness zone, it's I know, different. and it can be two weeks difference, easy. Exactly, and Easily. the the winter, just those few degrees or the length can make mm-hmm. a big difference. Even yeah. Illinois, right at the state line, is is a good week yeah. or more behind. Exactly, that heat island of Chicago yeah. spreads the lake. You know, weather. You know, I think that whole our hardiness zone and how we look at winter and mm-hmm. summer heat, and we kind of forget to mention the heat islands. We don't, but the makers of those maps or the readers and the catalog, the heat islands, elevation, um, lakes. Well, it gets into microclimates. Right. All right. And you do read about this in the books all the time. It's really hard for garden writers to account for microclimates. So, for instance, Chicago, I just froze, my backyard froze for the first time two days ago. Uh, And I had hydrangeas and other plants that had taken a little bit of a hit, but they were Mm -hmm. still pretty much there. And now, wham! (laughs) And they're done. They're exactly. Done. You're done. And and even from one house to the other. My house in Milwaukee, I had an east face. My neighbor had a brick house. I had a brick house, a brick garage. So I had a very sheltered location. So I could push the limits, but I also knew I was pushing the limits. So in ah, a bad winter, sure. things die. It just it's how you find out. Yeah. It's 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 trial and error. It's yes. experimentation. So let's talk a little bit about moving plants in. And I, I can tell you right now, I still have half a dozen plants in my basement um, that I swear, uh, you know, and this is, <laughs> this is the scary part. I, as, 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 as beautiful as they are, I forget they're down there for long stretches. Uh, I have a, 
some LEDs on, but that's not enough light to to keep them going. And they were just, especially especially um, a Shiflura that I that just went nuts mm-hmm. in oh. the backyard this year. It is so beautiful, and it ha- is so the leaves are glossy and shining. And I ha- and it's five or six six feet tall, and I have no place to put it upstairs right now, and I don't know what to do with it. And it weighs about six tons, okay? <laughs> you got it in your basement? It's in my, and, uh, well, and it's going to grow when you try and get it what, through the door. <laughs> what you don't know about my basement is it's two steps down to the basement, and, oh, and okay. my basement, to you have to go outside to go into my basement. Oh, okay, so that's good. Yeah. So it's easy a- easier it's easy, access to, to the, the garden. Ba- right, okay. to the basement. So I just went... Okay, I don't know what it actually would have been harder to get it upstairs. Yeah, so gotcha. I went boom boom and I took it down into the basement. But now it's sitting there with the jade plant and jade plants got to get out of there. Uh and a few other plants. Uh, there's a, an aloe and I and I and I look at the aloe and I go, "Ah, eh, you can survive a nuclear war." <laughs> so, I'm not You got winter down the basement. That's right. Uh, you know, and you do that. You you yeah. examine the different plants you figure what could, and I do know actually that the Schiflera can withstand low light for a while as long as I keep it hydrated, keep it watering it in the basement. I don't want it there for the whole winter, but uh, for now, it's there. And you and want to see it all winter. Right. Yeah. Enjoy that greenery that get you through the winter. And one of the things to keep in mind, those leaves of the plants that were outside were sun. The cells were arranged so that they block some of the sunlight because mm-hmm. there was so much of yeah. it. We bring it inside. They're blocking some of the light. They're getting less. And that's why those leaves turn yellow and drop very often. Then they put out shade-tolerant leaves that tend to be the cells arrange themselves so they can absorb the sunlight more efficiently. So when you bring in your mandavia, your bougainvillea, these are the things that are in my shop by the window (laughs) when I need to get some lights or find new locations, um, that the leaves yellow and drop. And so it is making a choice um, when you're doing the light, getting light not only above that big plant, but along the side and from underneath, Mm -hmm. which is so challenging. It is challenging because I took some plants in. Okay, my avocado, which I grew from a pit. Oh, cool. And it's now also six feet tall. And <laughs> it that one I brought upstairs because that one, see, that's that that's not as tolerant of uh, bad yeah. conditions as the uh, Schiflura is. So I've got this avocado plant and I put it in the front window so it could get as much light as possible. And I put it under my Happy Leaf LED. <laughs> Thank you to our great sponsor, Happy Leaf LED. Uh, go to happyleafled.com. And um, I, it's an experiment because I've got this big old light and I've got the avocado under it. And then I took my Ming Aurelia and oh, I put I that. At, but that had already started to lose leaves because it did what you were talking about. Right. Every winter, I take it, every summer I take it out. It does well. And I don't put it in the sun. I leave it right. in, in like the... Like a partial shaded location. Yeah, basically on the back porch or something. And it's still... Even in the shade outside, you're getting so much more light than yes. you get indoors, even in a sun- sunny window, from what I've read. And in the winter, yeah. in the Midwest, let's yeah. just go there. So, right? I, so I've got, right. I, got about, I got about four plants that are sharing this grow light. And it's an experiment to see how they will do this uh, summer because I also, the, the uh, avocado, which is six feet tall, I repotted this summer. Okay. 
And then it went nuts. It took <laughs> off. I mean, it just it just said, yay, thank you, because the leaves were kind of yellow. And I went and they were they were turning brown. And I went, oh, it's not happy. And I pulled it out of the pot, totally root bound, just completely okay. root bound. And I expanded larger pot, more soil. And then suddenly it started responding green, lush leaves and new branches. I mean, it just went crazy and so i don't want to lose that no because I don't blame you, you. you bring it indoors and you lose a lot of that it it sort of takes a, a step backward so a couple things you can do and a reflective surface underneath mm-hmm. your plants so a whiteboard foil silver something that'll reflect some of the light back up into the plant that's what peggy and, was telling okay, me okay yeah. see Listen to her. She knows. I, I, I guess I will. <laughs> and then, Thank you, Melinda. <laughs> and then a lot of the LED light producers, too, are looking at um, spikes. So I went to a, a program oh. on LED lighting and where growing greens and warehouses and strawberries and trying to help with the, the food shortages of the future. And a lot of them are looking at LED things that you would hang so that they light the plant yeah. from top to bottom. Oh. A verti- so a vertical. vertical thank well, you. you could even probably exactly. take your LED light and, and do just that. Yeah. Exactly. Stand it up. Yeah. And yeah. so that's another way to make sure you're getting light from top to bottom. So you need to get maybe another one of those happy leaf lights. I'm sure they would send you one or <laughs> two. I hope they're listening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and try that because with big plants, that's going to be, mm-hmm. that's going to be key. Well, that was going to be my question and you've already answered it. I was thinking driving down here i'm thinking okay i got to ask about the leaf uh and and how they store energy because i know the leaves right under the light are sucking up a lot of uh uh good yeah, energy from right. this led i was thinking can they share it with the, the other leaves <laughs> but n- they, 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 they kind of they do. are but not but that's a huge plant yeah. for those few leaves to process all that and convert so you're right they Especially are sharing it's like on the floor and six feet tall yeah yes. so and that's what i figured they share to some degree in that if uh if you've got a leaf that's absorbing light, it can it's going to give some of that back to the plant, but it's not going to give it to specific leaves that are Correct. really low on the plant. Right. They're kind of on their own down there. Right, because the energy is going back and being stored and then reallocated. Re- yes, to some, exactly. So, but exa- there's so much of it to support. That's what I, you know, I think that's the real problem is those few leaves can't produce enough to support that six-foot plant. Mm-hmm. So you need... More of those happy LED lights. <laughs> oh, you know, and then I'll, and then I'll have the police driving by, exactly. and going, "Why?" No, it's a Schaeffler, honestly. <laughs> Why are all those lights on in that house? <laughs> and oh, I just have this purple glow out my front window. So. Oh wow! Well, what about you? What what uh, specific plants? Uh, uh, what are you, so th- th- you are you bringing in and do you, I, do you have any issues that you're, you're trying to uh, well to? I have two cats and they, these cats <laughs> like to eat my plants and so Uh-oh. I've been struggling with making sure I don't bring anything toxic in um I have a rosemary that wait I wait a second all plants are toxic I mean <laughs> I always I always laugh when people say talk about have these lists of toxic plants and then there there are five hundred plants on the list and plants <laughs> are, really you don't want your cats eating most things you bring I know. in and so I have these cats that eat more than the cats of the past I'd really sound like a cat lady now um, <laughs> and, and I, well when, that's what happens to gardeners I, I eventually know, plants and cats uh-huh. so um, I've got a banana plant that I've been bringing in. My rosemary is even bloomed for me. I wow. have a, a kitchen alcove, like a breakfast nook that mm-hmm. has windows, so it's cool, which I find for me, rosemary does so much better. And so many plants in the winter 
Cooler temperatures, higher a humidity. Norfolk pine, for instance. Oh. They don't People put them next to their heaters, oh, and, and, and it dries them out, and they wonder why it's going yeah. bad. Put it in a cool place. That, it, exactly. Yeah. And then there was a great article in Fine Gardening Magazine years ago about overwintering things like cannas, bananas, not as a house plant, but overwinter your banana like your canna, mm-hmm. your mandavias. I have them hanging in a window in my shop, but I also have overwintered them in the basement where I keep my wine, which no windows. The three walls are to the outside. It's under my breakfast nook upstairs, and it's cool, cool enough for my dahlias, my cannas, all my non-hardy bulbs. It keeps them dormant. And my mandavia, I just water maybe once a month. It goes totally dormant. Mm-hmm. Bring it up in the spring mm-hmm. because my shop kind of looks like your basement. I got all these <laughs> plants going. Something's got to move or I just have to let it go. Well, that's the other thing you discover is that um, some of these plants, actually appreciate shutting down for a little bit Mm -hmm. and they just kind of rest. And as long as you don't let them dry out, they're okay. I'll tell you a plant that's really ridiculously tough in that way are hibiscus. Oh, that's exact. Yes. Uh, I find you can put that in a basement and just keep it a little bit of water once a month, come down and check it. Um, and then bring it back out in the spring, prune it back, and let it go. Exactly. And it's a great way to enjoy it and ha- be able to save it. Because at some point, you have to start making choices. You go, you get to stay. No, <laughs> no exactly. And I can feel the pain of that lettuce when he harvested <laughs> uh, it. <laughs> okay. That's Melinda Myers. Uh, we're talking plants. Casey Tomatoes says, can't you send some plants to Aunt Peggy's for the winter? <laughs> no, she didn't have any more room than I do. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with more Plant Talk. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. 877-711-5611. Join the conversation. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. A Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. 
What is this, anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. See, what happens is we bring Melinda Myers into the studio and the hour goes by so darn fast. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, I always like hanging with you guys. It's a great way to start my And Sunday. I appreciate And I made sure that we had a nice day for you to drive down. I appreciate it. And it looks like by the time I get home, it'll be warm enough to get out my drill and start planting bulbs. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. thank you. <laughs> ah, my pleasure. Well, I remember one time, uh, didn't you get a flat tire on the way down here? I did. I did. And I had to call. <laughs> she, from she, a, I had to pull over to some restaurant and use their phone and call in. So I made sure I had air in my tires. My tires are in good shape. And I left early. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have you join the auto show. Okay. Uh, if it's, that's on after us, right? No. There's... No, that's a different one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got another indoor plant question okay. since, unfortunately, Thanksgiving and the holidays are coming much closer <sighs> than yes, we want to think. So for either the bulbs you don't get in the ground or the bulbs that you go and buy at the garden center, when do we start forcing them for the holidays? That's great. So it takes 15 weeks for most bulbs to get a chill. So anywhere between 35 and 45 degrees. So a spare refrigerator, keep it away from the apples and pears that give off ethylene. I don't have room for that downstairs because I have so many plants. I know. (laughs) No spare refrigerator. Okay, then I guess is that Aunt Peggy's going to adopt the No room in my fridge. (laughs) But what if you don't have a spare refrigerator? You know what I do? I've used my unheated garage and had mm-hmm. pretty good success doing just like we talked about. Is that it's not attached to the house? Mine actually is, but it's cold enough where I'm at. I've had one in my old home that was unattached, but I'd put it, my garage was kind of built into the side, so it was a little bit insulated. Mm-hmm. And the concern, you're right, is it's got to be consistently cold for 15 weeks. You can also pop. Well, I'm actually worried about it being too cold in an uninsulated garage that's not attached to the house. I think mine would be too cold. So one of the things you can do is um, set it in a box and then put stuff around it to insulate. I used to say packing peanuts. The biodegradable ones will biodegrade and be a milky mess. (laughs) So, you know, you could put some other stuff around it to insulate. Again, the same Mm -hmm. idea. You want it cold, but you want to protect the bulbs so they don't turn to mush. Um, A spare refrigerator for those who have room. Um, Pot them up, sink the pot in the ground, and then when it's lightly frozen, like now, cover it with evergreen boughs so it's it's easier to remove. And one guy gave me a pot of hyacinths he had forced. And what he did is he had a uh, one of those plastic ponds, liners, you know, mm-hmm. you bury. He'd empty the water for mm-hmm. winter, pot up his hyacinths, set them in there, pack in straw, put a board over top. They were the best forced hyacinths I've ever seen. So he just lift up the plywood top take the pot in when he wanted it. Uh, but the, the point the point there is it was below ground. Exactly. Yeah. And, exactly. And it doesn't get as cold down there as it does on the surface, so, and that's always the issue. Exactly. So that's why you have to kind of mod- monitor those, monitor your unheated garage. If it's too cold, you're right, you're going to lose them. But the only way you find out is try it or do a high-low thermometer, which, yeah, who's going to do that? All right. Just now, put- Diana's going to be really unhappy Uh-oh. with us if we don't mention uh, the great courses. So um, one of the fun things I got to do is work with the teaching company. Company, and I did four classes, the How to Grow Anything series, which believe me, I know I didn't cover everything because any gardener knows that. 
but we did containers and landscape designing and maintaining your landscape food gardening for everyone and make your trees and shrubs thrive so if you go to my website there's a link to the great courses or if you go to great courses and um, it was fun because we got to show you i was out in the garden the last two we did were in my front yard where i have my garden the first two we went out i went out to virginia and we showed you what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, we had gardens from start to finish. We transplanted a shrub. Which is really important because uh, I, I'm the kind of guy, I, I, I can read about it, but sometimes I have a hard time visualizing it. Exactly. And to see the process and the progress. I've always wanted to show planting a garden from seed to harvest because mm -hmm. not everybody's done that or grown up with someone who's done it. And like you said, if you see it, you see the process, you know you're on track. Yeah. And it does take time, and that's okay. Now, we happen to have one of those courses, and oh, it, it was the vegetable. Oh, Food Gardening for Everyone. Yeah, Food Gardening for Everyone, and it's a couple of DVDs in there, and you can follow through. I'd like to give that away. How, yeah. sh how should we do this? Um, I mean, we could just take the <laughs> caller. Uh, or they could answer a question. Um, I don't know. We should make it hard because those they're, those are I, valuable, aren't they? They're, they're like gold. They're actually when they're full price, it's one hundred ninety nine dollars. So this is uh, this uh, is a uh, good price. Uh, uh, yeah. I, not because I did it, but because <laughs> it's. <laughs> No, 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 Melinda, you're a prize. So you really let's are. Think we have to make it hard because you have smart listeners, as yeah. we found out, yeah. uh, as we you know. So let's see. Um, we could ask a question if they were listening to the opening. Who screamed the worst <laughs> on when the guy harvested his garden? <laughs> what was his name? Maybe. Yeah. Wow, that's true. They have to be paying attention to the show. Okay, let's do that. What was? But we have to depend on Peggy to get. Because I don't remember the guy's name, but. Uh, uh, Peggy does. Yes. And she'll have to write that down and give it to uh, Ellie and Ben. Ben, but by the way, Ben Boquist is here today. Give the ding. Uh, all right. You get a ding, dude. Uh, so uh, give us a call. Write us. Uh, I, well, if you write in face, well, the first one, how, how will we? Well, let's, let's do the call. 877-711-5611. This is like a $200 value. Uh, a DVD, and, and the name of this one again is? Um, the... It's the How to Grow Anything, Food Gardening for Everyone. So I talk about growing in containers, in the ground, fruits, vegetables, even growing greens and microgreens indoors. Mm -hmm. So something for everyone, and if it's not up your alley, then give it as a gift. So yeah. you'll make some gardener in your life happy. But really, if you're a gardener, you really you want this. If you got the... Uh... The name? Are you mm -hmm. texting it to? I'm texting it to Ellie. All right, Ellie. So you'll be getting this. <laughs> so you have the answer there too. And again, eight seven 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 eleven fifty six eleven. Whoever comes up with the answer first gets this two hundred dollar DVD set. And it's just this is just one of them. One in the series. How many are in the series there, total? There are four. There are so, four. So one. You'll get one quarter. Uh, right. Of the whole series. So I don't know. Ellie's on the phone right now. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Your but, listeners not only are smart, they pay attention. I. I well. And we'll you see. and I are having we'll trouble see. with the guys' names. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, before we go, what have we missed here? All right. Um, ben says it's a winner. Wow. Woo, good job, whoever. We, we get to put them on air here. Yeah, let's do. Oh, yay! Let's do that in one minute. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a minute left before we go. So I, I do want to remind folks that uh, you can go to melindamyers.com for all of this information for uh, find out about 
the gray courses. Right. Uh, and yeah. if I'm, I'm done with my appearances for the year, I made my last one last year, but I'll be back on the road after the first You're of the year. You're not going to dress as Santa or anything and go Well, somewhere? I don't advertise that. Like, you know. <laughs> and if I don't sing like you sing, so we don't, nobody's inviting me to carol. Let me just say that. Uh, and, uh, but you can find videos. You can find connections to... Um, you're still doing the the Melinda's, Melinda's. Garden moments. So yeah. the radio tips are posted after they air live. We're on 69 radio stations and 65 TV stations. The season's over in most places, but all those videos are posted on my website. And uh, we've got information to hopefully help you be successful in your garden. And well, nothing else, have fun. That's, well, that's the idea. Exactly. Is and again... Uh, I'm willing to debate all day long whether gardening is fun or not. I like... know. <laughs> <laughs> it's therapeutic. So today yeah. my, I might be on your side when I'm freezing out there planting uh, balls. When you're drilling in, balls, exactly, yes. when I'm drilling in through the frozen soil. It was actually fun. fun Fun yesterday because I just got out and I raked a bunch of leaves onto my, my parkway there. And I enjoyed that because it took like half an hour and I and was done. And you stay warm yeah. when you're raking. Yeah. So it works really well. Do we have time? Hey, Hillary Austin, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Congratulations. And who was the guy who was uh, at the top of the show? Baxter Black. Wow. Oh, yay. She was listening. You were. And, and you're going to get the Great Courses uh, DVD. Fantastic. Well, I am so excited. She is. Well, great. That is wonderful. Congratulations. And we managed to squeeze it in before Yay. the end of the show. I can't talk to you much more, Hillary. So thanks. Congratulations. And thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. And thank you, Melinda Myers, for thanks. schlepping on down from Milwaukee. Always a pleasure to work with you, too. Thanks for having me. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More in the second hour. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm, it appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I just got a a text from Ron Cogill. And there's the photo. I like it. I blew it up. He says uh, he's watching the Mike Novak Show on his TV. Got his fuzzy slippers on. He's got he's got the he's routed it through and he's watching on Facebook and he popped it on the big screen. So we're on the big screen. 
Okay, there you go, Ron. Hi, Ron. Shout out and a wave to uh, Ron Calgill. Um, while we're while we're there, do we have a, a preview of what uh, Mr. Turk yeah. will be doing on Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall this afternoon? From one to three. From one to three, right uh, here on fifteen ninety WCGO Chicago's Smart Talk. So on today's show, uh, Bill and Carrie are opening the microphones to a studio filled with guests. So, um, as and, and Bill how is says, that? How is that different? Bill from... says for one weekend only, it's Crazy Bill and Carrie's Radio Extravaganza. Oh, so they've changed the name of the show for one week. For only. one week. So what is that again? Tune in for fun and surprises plus blame Bill. Plus, always. So they're just going to have a lot of people coming by, stopping by the studio, and talking about a potpourri. Wow. Okay. So that's kind of what we're doing in the second hour here before we get to Rick DeMaio. I do want to say something about, about last week, which was kind of interesting. We we um, had an issue on Facebook, uh, and it was, it uh, we got dropped off of Facebook. And, um, and it, it had to do with music and music rights, and this is stuff that... Facebook uh, does. It has its rules, and radio stations have different rules. And uh, our station, WCGO, has uh, uh, music licenses, <laughs> which allow us to play bump music. Take you know, we, I play different stuff all the time, um, but it clashes with Facebook's rules, and sometimes Facebook's algorithm will just stop the broadcast. And the timing of it was interesting because then I came back and I said that I H A T E Facebook and some people thought that was very strong because it's a very strong word. Mm-hmm. And mom told me not to use that word. And lots of moms told their <laughs> kids not to use that word. But I said it about Facebook. And then the timing was such that we lost we lost our signal right after I said that to some people. Let me assure you, it's not because Mark Zuckerberg was listening and he heard me say that. It was because of the music licensing issue. Um, but it, the the timing was interesting. Yeah, because there is a bit of a lag on, on Facebook from right. live in the studio. And and their algorithm has to catch up and say, whoop, we're going to flag that, baby. <laughs> you're done. And you're not done. You Actually, you can go back on. You just... They end that broadcast. Yeah. So this is this is this is life in the 21st century with social media, and it's very interesting. So if you ever do see the Facebook live <coughs> broadcast end, come back in about a minute and check it again. <laughs> put it back up. Because Ellie fires it back up there in the control room, and and she gets us going. Uh, so, but we did not get cut off because I said that I H A T E. Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg was listening. No, that's not what happened. However, now that they have heard that, <laughs> but see, I didn't say the word, and some people went, "Oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't use that word on the radio." Okay, you mean so if I say I H A T E okra, am I going to get in trouble for that too? That Is, was okra, not Oprah. Not Oprah. No. Okra, oh my goodness. O K R A. See, now I'm already in trouble about that. Uh, all right. Um, I will watch my language and try not. We live in a in very weird times, don't mm-hmm. we? Don't we indeed? All right. So tune in to uh, <laughs> Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall, but that's not the name of the show. What is, what what are they calling it again today? Extravaganzo. <laughs> Extravaganzo. All right. Uh, and uh, we've got like uh, two minutes here uh, less <laughs> before. 
<laughs> That's funny. My phone is ringing, and it's William Moss who's going to be on the show next. Okay, hold on just a second. Hey, uh, hey, William, is that you? I'm on the air. I'm on the air. Did you know that? Music for cell phone discussion. Oh well, I'll tell you what. Call us at eight seven seven. 7-11-56-11, and give me the business. How's that? 11-877-7-11-56-11. Oh, we're going to hear from William Moss in just a second. Actually, we're going to a spot very All right, soon, man. too. I'll talk to you in a second. Bye. Live radio <laughs> at its best. <laughs> uh, well, the phone rang, and uh, the cell phone rang. And and they weren't asking you to give blood this week. And uh, No, it's true, because uh, LifeSource usually calls uh, while I'm on the show here to ask me to donate blood uh, or platelets. Um, and that was uh, William Moss, who I was just saying is going to be our guest next week. Next we, uh, we, um And we're going to talk more gardening in the first hour. He's got a bunch of things going on as well and i know we're, we're about to break here so when we come back we'll start with him because he's going to give me the business he said about h-a-t-i-n-g-o-k-r-a mm-hmm. he says uh, i i need to have the business yes. uh so that's <laughs> what we will do and then becky and i have some stories we've been looking at little post-election stuff um little talk about the environment so stick around the mike novak show with peggy malecki we'll be right back from boat to rooftop yep enjoy wild alaskan seafood harvest this holiday season or give it as a gift the sitka salmon shares holiday box includes the highest quality sustainable seafood items for you and the people on your gift list keta and coho salmon pacific cod one grilling plank two specialty spice rubs one pin bone removal guide and three holiday themed recipes go to sitkasalmonshares.com happy holidays from their fishing families to yours This is Peggy Malecki. Do you want to give your veggie seedlings a head start next spring? Then do what I do. Put them under a Happy Leaf LED grow light, and you'll never go back to shop lights again. 50,000-plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Your plants will grow bigger, faster, and better. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV, and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on, we all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at IllinoisSolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018 and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today.
You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Hi there, nice to be with you. Happy you could stick around. Like to introduce Legs Larry Smith, drums. And Sam Spoon's rhythm pole. And Vern Dudley Bohey Noel, bass guitar. And Neil Innes, piano. Come in, Rodney Slater on the saxophone. And William Moss on okra. Uh, let's, let's bring him in. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we have a disgruntled caller on the line. Come in, disgruntled caller. Yes, this is William Moss, the garden boss. <laughs> the garden boss? Give that man a ding. Uh, you you had a problem with something I said, I understand. Well, everything was rolling along just great with the show. Then you said something about Hayden Okra, and, uh, you know, I, I had to call in. I'll be there next week, but you deserve business right now for that. <laughs> I deserve the, the business. The Okra police. The Okra police. You're right. The Okra police. Here they are. Okay. Tell me, uh, Mr. Okra police, what did I say wrong? That's one of the people. People automatically say, "I don't like Oprah. I hate it because it's got that wonderful, neutralogenic feel to it." Um, so we have to get people to start to understand that that slime is not—it's not bad. That's healthy stuff. Oprah's <laughs> one of the superfoods, and if you prepare it correctly, you don't have mm-hmm. to go through the slime. And you tell me right, right now, what what plant looks more beautiful in the vegetable garden than a flowering Oprah plant? I'll tell you, there are, no, you're, you're right. It's mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful plants out there, and I will grow it just to look at it because it's a really beautiful, like. But it's tasty, too. Like eggplant. I often. Thank you, Peggy. I, I, grow, <laughs> I grow eggplant as well, and often it never makes it into my kitchen, but it is a beautiful plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Exactly. So, so, so I'm just out here fighting the fight for Oprah. <laughs> well, here's what you should do. Mr. William Moss, the garden boss, when you come by next Sunday at this very same time, uh, or a little earlier, at 9 o'clock hour, uh, why don't you bring an okra dish? You know what? I'll do that. (laughs) I I, I will bring an okra dish in, and we will have a taste test. Matter of fact, I'll I'll look for two, and we'll, uh, we'll have a taste test on the show, and you can... Tell your listeners how wrong you were to criticize okra. I will not only eat okra, I will eat my words if you make it palatable. Okay. That's a deal. Sounds like a plan. Uh, and, 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 uh, he might have to prepare a crow dish as well, I guess. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, what, what do you, give us a preview of what you're going to tell, talk to us about next week, Mr. Mr. Boss. Well, we'll be talking about how to how to put the finishing touches on your garden. There are lots of ways to do things, but we're going to talk about specifically some things to do here in Chicago. We'll also talk about growing sprouts over the winter because we just because it's you know mm-hmm. freezing outside doesn't mean that we're done with our greens. So there are ways yeah. we can grow some greens a little earlier. And I'll also be talking about a couple of events that we have with our company Get Out and Grow coming up. Um, we'll be doing some wreaths and. Winter arrangements down at Gallagher Way with the Cubs all through December. And also, next Saturday, right before I come on your show, I'm doing a Fortune Bulbs class at the Chicago Botanic Garden so we can have that bright indoor color 
coming up around Christmas time and in January. Why don't you give that a plug right now since that's uh, going to you're going to be on the show next uh, Sunday and the event you're doing at the Chicago Botanic Garden is next Saturday. So uh, give a yes. little time and place. Well, obviously the Chicago Botanic Garden. What do folks need to know about Chicago the Botanic Garden? Uh, it's, it's at nine o'clock, so so it's, so it's nine to eleven. A two-hour class. You can register online or call into the Botanic Garden to register. You're going to get um, a lesson on how to force bulbs, why why bulbs can be forced, why they're the best plants to do this to, and also we're going to have bulbs, pots, and soils for you guys to pot up. So mm-hmm. we're we'll, we're going to do either an amaryllis or something called a sun star. Uh, for indoors, and then we'll also do some higher scents as well, so something can come along a little bit later. So you're going to leave out there with two pots of bulbs that are going to give you bright color, fragrance, and smiles through the holiday season. Wow, and you can get some of those to uh, bloom by the holidays? Is that what you're saying? The goal is to get the amaryllis to bloom for the holidays, Mm -hmm. and then we'll work on getting the highest scent to bloom sometime around Valentine's Day, so... You know, we try to hit all your winter holidays with some bright color, something to make you smile during this long, dreary winter. <laughs> and, and are you going to warn people that if you get too close to a hyacinth indoors, you'll be asphyxiated? <laughs> well, you know, some people do find it a little strong. But other people, that smell in the wintertime, you know, it, it reminds them of Easter. So, you know, so I won't quite do that so bad because I realize there's some people who love it. Others mm-hmm. are like, uh, ugh, it's a little strong, but it's still a beautiful smell. Yeah. I, if it's too strong for you, put it in the other room. <laughs> well, yeah, what I would say, you could put it in the basement and it'll still waft up, you know, uh, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I, they, I put them in. The, I put them in the same category as stargazer lilies. They, you, you, you take stargazers, one stargazers. Yes. Yeah, you uh, take too uh, deep a whiff, and you will drop dead right in your living room. So, but that's well, it's, it's, it's definitely not the plant to put on the hospital table. Besides, someone who's trying to get well, uh, <laughs> definitely not for that. <laughs> but you know, it can it can brighten up a nice room and mm-hmm. give fragrance especially if you got a big enough area. It'll be very nice. And we want to make sure that people know, you know, which ones they want to select and how they want to use it. All right. All right. That sounds great. So get to the Chicago Botanic Garden next Saturday, 9 a.m., 9 to 11. William Moss, the garden mm-hmm. boss, will teach you how to do. We, we were talking a little earlier with Melinda Myers about uh, doing that and getting about some. forcing bulbs. Yeah. About forcing bulbs. And now uh, mm-hmm. it, a lot of people are like me. They want to see it in person. They want to have an expert like you walk them through it. And this is a great way to do it. And then it becomes uh, a centerpiece for the holidays or a gift or whatever you want it to be. Exactly, exactly. And we'll have extra two. I mean, let's say you do one or two and you want to do another for your mom. We'll have some extra bulbs available so you can pack up things for your mom, too. But we're going to make sure that you walk out with a couple for you. And if you want to do something extra for some family, we can do that, too. Mm-hmm. And if you really resent mom, you'll give her a hyacinth. Um, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> You know, no, oh, if you dear. really resent her, you give her a paper white. Those, oh, there you go. That's where the line gets crossed to me. That's, <laughs> paper whites cross the line to me. Paper whites are not they're outdoor plants for the South. They're not indoor plants for anyone. So I agree. Uh, you know, that, that's if you really dislike mom. Give her a bunch of paper whites <laughs> and tell her to keep it indoors. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten about paper whites. And I, I've always, you know, the, the thing about paper whites that people love is that you take the bulb, you can put it on some rocks with a little water underneath, and then you watch them shoot up and you go, that's cool. 
unfortunately, then they bloom. And and then you've got, yes. that, as you said, don't light a match nearby. The whole house will go up, okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is, it's probably the strongest indoor bulb you can have. I mean, and it really will. It'll perfume the whole house just from, like, the bathroom. So, yeah, so those you got to watch out for. We don't do paper wipes. So we just do amaryllises. And we do this really cool thing called the Sun Star. It's actually ornithologum dubium. Uh, that's just Latin for beautiful flower. So it's um, so it's this little it's this little flower with orange as orange flowers all over the spike. It does not smell at all. So yeah, <laughs> we'll have we'll have several choices next week. Good, good. People need to know that. All right, William Moss, the garden boss. He'll be here next week. We'll talk more. Thanks for uh, calling me on the carpet. I always love that. Um, I'm waiting for the. <laughs> I'm waiting for the phone call from Mark Zuckerberg. I'm sure that'll be next. Uh, okay, we'll talk to you next week. Oh, right, right. wait, I'll wait, wait. That over, so wait. One, more, yes. w- w- one more thing. Give us your website so folks can uh, get more information. Oh, yes. Go to the website. The website is getoutandgrow.org. You can also find me on Facebook. Just look up William Moss. There's several, but you'll find the real William Moss. Okay. <laughs> you'll find the real one. William Moss TV or William Moss, you'll find. And getoutandgrow.org uh, is where you can find That's more information. It. All right. We'll talk to you next week, William. Thanks for calling. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And now that we got the crank calls out of the way, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can talk about serious stuff. Um, and, uh, you wanted to do a follow-up on something we talked yeah, last, about before. Last Sunday, we were talking about the Juliana versus United States, uh, lawsuit, which is, they've called it the children's climate lawsuit that was originally filed in 2015 that was delayed, delayed, delayed. And then, um, a district court had said on November 2nd, um, actually on November 8th, no, I'm sorry, it was on November 2nd that the Ninth Court of Appeals said that the court case could go ahead. It was uh, scheduled to start later this month. And then this week, the Trump administration filed a new request with the appeals court, and the court agreed on November 8th to place what they call a temporary stay on the trial while it considers the government's latest attempt to have the case thrown out. So the children's attorneys, though, are continuing to prepare for the court case. They think it will go through. This is a monumental case of... um, I believe it's 21 or 22 youth that have sued the U.S. government for climate change, basically for you're you're ruining our yeah you're our, ruining our, our lives our, and our, our futures and our futures right and you know it's right now it's kind of Supreme Court justices are are leaving it open the government could appeal to the high court again if it doesn't get what it wants from the Court of Appeals it's kind of up in the air but it's a precedent setting case. Um, there's many other supporting similar lawsuits happening in nine other states. So one of these cases is going to eventually come through. Cool. Uh, and uh, something that um, Kathleen called to my attention, she found the story, uh, the headline of which is, the U.S. just elected nine new scientists to Congress, including an ocean expert, a nurse, and a biochemist. Here's a full list and this was in Business Insider, mm-hmm. and uh, they write, the faces of Capitol Hill are changing when the 116th Congress heads to Washington in January. There will be a record number of women in the ranks. 
You know, I, I'll t- I'll tell you the truth. It, if if we had women running governments in the world, we would have so many fewer wars. The, I just think things would be so much better. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Uh, and uh, so there'll be a record number of women in the ranks, at least 123, according to the news website Axios, including the first Muslim woman, the first uh, Somali-American, and the first Native American women, women and I think there's two mm-hmm. that got uh, elected. Uh, and, and you think, this is 2018. It took that long? It's just nuts. Um, on Tuesday, nine new science-credentialed candidates were elected, one senator and eight members of the House. The members of the uh, current 115th Congress include one physicist, one microbiologist, and one chemist, as well as eight engineers and one mathematician. The medical professions are slightly better represented with three nurses and 15 doctors, as well as uh, at least three veterinarians. The new winners will bolster bolster these uh, ranks. The Democratic candidates who won all ran successful campaigns with the support of a nonprofit political action committee called 314 Action, which started in 2016 and is dedicated to recruiting, training, and funding scientists and healthcare workers who want to run for political office. Uh, so this is uh, very, very cool that, uh, oh, wait, of course, if I'm going to be. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. I, well, I was too busy uh, uh, doing the, the story to play. Science. All right. We had to throw that in at least once. So uh, congratulations to the science scientists. Congratulations to all the women who uh, who gained office. Uh, on uh, Tuesday, and, you know, some of the counts are uh, still coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, two of them were in Illinois. The ner- we have a nurse and a clean science engineer Yeah, coming in. That was uh, remarkable, Those both of those uh, elections uh, in Illinois. Well, so. just kind of overall in the elections of just how the, the, the climate... the climate of Washington, as it were, will change. Is that a pun? Uh, yes. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, just as more scientists are coming in and as, as things kind of change, it was interesting, a lot of the looking back on the election with New York Times, Washington Post, and a lot of the other groups of kind of how it was a mixed bag, that things like carbon tax still w- was not accepted, um, That especially in Washington State with the, uh, that, that uh, the is, voters rejecting the initiative yeah. for a carbon tax. Well, there, it's still an uphill yeah. battle uh, and it's not as it's not as if we have a lot of time uh but maybe what needs to happen you know and that's that's something actually we should discuss on the show is the carbon tax because mm-hmm. it seems to have rough sledding and i don't know if it's because it's the wrong approach or it just has so much opposition that is uh, more successful than the argument for uh, carbon uh, tax, or, or the fact that uh, oil companies and industry groups poured more than thirty-one million dollars into the campaign this oh, year. Oh, and then there, there's that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually kind of what I meant by opposition, and it's uh, yeah, the because uh, the climate's not changing at all. I'm not sure why we need a carbon tax. Well, and to your point, though, I think a lot of um, people don't really understand what a carbon tax is, what it does, what's the difference. So when you're just looking at it on the ballot, yes, no, 
if you don't know what it is, it's kind of hard to. Uh, it's a really good point. Is that uh, unfortunately a lot of folks go into the polling places, go into the the elections, uh, not knowing what the issues are and how to resolve them. Um, and even judges, and I've mm-hmm. said this before, I don't know why the heck we elect judges. Um, I just think that's nuts because uh, nobody knows who they are. Uh, there was a, a, a should they be retained? There was there was know. one judge who was not retained in 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 uh, Cook County in the election, and it's the first time it's happened in twenty four or twenty six years, something like that. Twenty four years, I think. Mm. That because they always get. But what it worked this time. So, yeah, uh, and carbon tax is a sophisticated, difficult issue to grasp, and so it needs to be presented in a very straightforward way. All right, well, we got more that we're talking about here. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. You're also welcome to call 877-711-5611, and then Rick DeMaio in just a little bit. Did you know it takes almost 2,000 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. It takes only 39 gallons of water to produce one pound of vegetables. Meat production releases more greenhouse gases than veggies. Emissions from livestock currently make up almost 15% of the global greenhouse gases. Of that, beef and dairy alone make up 65%. One cow's annual output of methane, you know, cow fluffs, burps, call them what you want, is equivalent to the emissions generated by one car burning 235 gallons of gas. Talk about stinky climate change. More vegetables equals a happier planet. Just saying. I'm Green Diva Meg, and you can find more low-stress green living tips at thegreendivas.com. And now, for something completely different for the season, the Frozen Robins. Oh, holy night. Late December, back in 1 B.C. T'was the night of the nativity. What a baby, what a night. Talented, funny, unique, the Frozen Robins are Chicago's number one caroling group. Exquisite harmonies, madcap improvisation, holiday sketches and characters, even a 10-minute version of It's a Wonderful Life. They are definitely not your mother's carolers. Go to frozenrobins.com or contact me, Mike, at mikenovak.net. Because I'm not just a fan of the Frozen Robins, I are one. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we're just going over a few things that have crossed our desk. You know, I say a few things. As Peggy and I wade through <laughs> dozens of uh, emails uh, that come through uh, every day, and uh, and and then we swap them. We send them to each other, and 
say file that uh, someplace, and that's the problem. They get filed. And <laughs> they then, get filed, and, and every so, so often we have time to talk about that's them. That's right, and so we, we want to do that. Now, uh, one of the things that uh, in talking about uh, the elections on Tuesday, the Illinois Environmental Council sent out a, uh, a piece that uh, w- wonders aloud whether this might be the most pro-environmental General Assembly ever, it's a question. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that uh, in terms of uh, the winners in Illinois, uh, the governor's race, the attorney general's race, the General Assembly, um, they're, they're pretty uh, excited about the, the direction we could go in. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in, in our own state of uh, Illinois. Yeah, they, they point out that Governor-elect J.B. Pritzker is committed to signing on to the U.S. Climate Alliance working towards a goal of 100% clean energy by 2050, taking action on the coal ash crisis on the Vermilion River, which we've talked about on this show. Yeah, which we need to get back to uh, because uh, our friends down there at the Vermilion uh, are still concerned about what's happening. Um, and so that's good that uh, that he's going to be paying attention to that. So uh, let's see. We're, and I would say solar. Um, and, clean you know, energy. Clean energy. Uh, with the solar law they got passed a couple of years ago, um, it needs to get up to speed. There are projections that Illinois is going to move way up in the ranks from somewhere around 35th to 17th or something like that in terms of uh, clean energy production mm-hmm. because of that law. So, And maybe this will, will help that move forward. All I would say is if, if we can get rid of stalemate in Springfield, that would be a good thing too, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, but the the one thing that caught my attention, and you you told me about this, and I kind of did a what, um, was uh, in the Guardian, and you sent me this article, David Attenborough, too much alarmism on the environment, a turnoff. Okay, so uh, he's he's got a new series that took two years to produce by BBC called Dynasties, mm-hmm. and it's following five different animal types, I believe. Tiger, chimpanzees, penguins, and a couple of others. If you're in the UK, it starts airing this evening. um, And I found out that we will have it on BBC America in early spring. All right. And And he says, we do have a problem. Every time the bell rings, every time that image of a threatened animal comes up, do you say, remember they are in danger? How often do you say this without becoming a real turnoff? It would be irresponsible to ignore it, but I, but equally, I believe we have a responsibility to make programs that look at all the rest of the aspects and not just this one. Attenborough, who is 92, by the way, told The Observer. Uh, so that's going to – and they're saying right there that statement alone yeah. is controversial. And, and another quote that he told BBC News – He said influencing government policy isn't his top priority when making such a series. Quote, we all have responsibilities as citizens, but our primary job is to make a series of programs which are gripping, truthful, and speak about something quite important. He continues, these aren't ecological programs. They're not proselytizing programs. They're not alarmist programs. What they are is a new form of filmmaking and a new form of wildlife filmmaking. And some of the controversy is coming from after his last series, Blue Planet 2. There was so much action taking, taken against banning plastic straws and public awareness as to the plastic pollution. And there's a lot of surprise that this new series might be playing down. 
Wait, there was there was action taken against banning? No, towards. towards it it raised public okay. awareness. Blue Planet 2, yeah. the final episode, raised public awareness and people started thinking more about plastic pollution and mm-hmm. straws and what's happening in the oceans. Well, all right. And so this is being seen somewhat as a missed opportunity. A We don't want to raise any alarms. We don't want to raise red flags. Right. And, of course, all of this uh, comes on the heels of the World Wildlife uh, is it Fund or Federation? I'm blanking fund, on Fund, I believe. Fund, yeah. Uh, doing this um, study that said that humanity had wiped out 60% of the mammals, birds, fish, and reptiles that they had been researching between 1970 and 2014. Okay, we're not talking about well, in some cases, we are talking about species going extinct. But what they're talking about is the actual count, the actual number of these mammals, birds, fish, and reptiles. Uh, so this is in conflict with what Attenborough is saying. It's like, I look at that number, and you know me, I'm a total alarmist, okay? So what, <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> uh, I think we need to pay attention to that. It would be a good thing. Uh, but we're we're... As I said before, we're rapidly creating a world where it's going to be humans, a couple of squirrels, and some sparrows. And, and chipmunks. And chip, And I keep forgetting <laughs> the chipmunks. But see, I don't have them in my backyard, so I don't have to worry about them. And rats. They'll be rats. Yeah. They'll always be rats. Uh, that, to me, is all kinds of alarm bells going off. Now, if that's being alarmist to call attention to the fact uh, that – uh, 60% mm-hmm. of those numbers are gone in a matter of about 50 years. No, less than that, 40 years, basically. Um, yeah, jo- it, Jonathan, just, it leaves me gobsmacked, yeah. okay? Jonathan Watts is the author of this piece in The Guardian that ran on November 4th. And, you know, he kind of just goes on to say the new series addresses the terrifyingly high level of wildlife extinction. Extinction, for example, 95% of tigers have disappeared in the last century. And he mentions drought and conflict and encroaching human communities and space. But, quote, it steers clear of putting any blame on viewers themselves, most of whom will be first world consumers, whose lifestyles are one of the main driving forces behind habitat loss and climate change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's part of the issue. Uh, A lot of this is because we, we bulldoze those forests. Uh, so loss of habitat and then loss of the actual numbers because of that ha- mm-hmm. loss of habitat. Um, loss of the Amazon, loss of uh, and, the, of and there seems to be an uh, in, in inevitable and irrevocable march. I, I, I read an article, I want to say a year ago, maybe not quite that, that ties into this, which is someone had looked at the species that have disappeared since – uh, human beings arrived, uh, and they're all very large species. Now, the dinosaurs, of course, got wiped out by natural causes. But if you look at woolly mammoths, if you look at the saber-toothed tigers, if you look at uh, things that did coexist with humans, mm-hmm. elephants, rhinoceroses, the big, really mega-big uh, animals. Megafauna. Megafauna. Charismatic megafauna. They're disappearing. And the conclusion that whoever – and i got to find that article. I don't have it right here. I just, it just popped into my head. Um, the conclusion was 
that human beings can't stand anything that's more megafauna than they are, that's bigger than they are. And they're slowly but surely culling all of those species, uh, the larger species, until there will be no more larger species than humans. What does that say for the planet? What does that say about us? What does that say for the future of biodiversity on the planet? that we can't have anything that's large. You know, it's kind of like yeah. be, being the king and nobody's head can be above the kings. Human beings are the king. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they're doing, uh, what we are doing as a species. So that's that's scary. Well, there's the megafauna, and then on the other end of the spectrum, the insects, the small fauna. Well, we're wiping those out yeah, too. exactly. Um, and uh, we know w- what will happen that and that. So we're, we're attacking it from both ends. The food chain yeah, on yeah, both ends. Yeah. So we know what happens when, when you lose insects because you lose the birds, of course, uh, are, are, and, and reptiles and amphibians and mammals. And... Mammals, and it works its way up. So uh, so that that's, you know, when you told me about this, I thought, okay. I mean, Richard Attenborough is, he's, or, I'm sorry, David Attenborough um, David Attenborough has the right to do whatever he wants. I mean, he's he's earned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I understand his point of view that the longer you scream about this, the less you hear. It's it's like becoming inured to lies coming out of the White House. After a while, you 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 go, oh yeah, it's just another change it's the channel, just another Tuesday. Okay, mm-hmm. right. So the same thing happens when you keep saying, hey, uh, we're we're all going to heck in a handbag. Um, and so David Attenborough doesn't want us to say we're going to heck in a handbag. Let's just show the handbag and show the heck and see if people can put the two together and yeah. what happens then. I don't know. That's but it'd be uh, interesting to see what the conversation is that is started as a result. And it will and, and, and that's what I'm saying is that it will there will be a conversation started because of that. And um and 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 even that's a good thing. Yeah. So at least we're examining what we're doing. I mean, you just mentioned the carbon tax in Washington state. Uh, If you thought a carbon tax was going to get passed anywhere in the country, it had to be Washington state. That's a pretty blue state, Um, a pretty progressive state. And they've tried twice to pass a carbon tax. Yeah. But as you say, if you put enough money into the opposition. Mm -hmm. And and, you make it scary. And you make it scary. And it's going to cost you more money. It's like saying, hey, we're going to heck in a handbag because we're losing animal population hand over fist. You know, and then we got the White House saying, well, we're screwed anyway, so why do anything about it? Let's let's cash cash in while we can. Why change the fuel efficiency (laughs) standards? We're we're just, it's going to happen anyway. That's the argument. It's the argument coming out of there. So... Oh, my goodness, we live in a post-rational world, uh, I guess. I don't well, know. There, well, if I can bring up a little bit of perhaps rationality that happened okay, as good, well. Okay, good, good. Because we got like a minute and a half. Keystone XL pipeline permit rescinded. Mm. That happened this week. On Thursday, November 8th, United States District Judge Brian Morris issued a landmark ruling in favor of the Indigenous Environmental Network and the North Coast Rivers Alliance and other groups such as NRDC in the litigation to stop the Keystone XL pipeline. Basically, he put in a 54-page order overturning the administration's approval of the pipeline, cited that they couldn't just do that because, that there hadn't been enough research. Um, he 
It disregarded prior factual filings, et cetera, et cetera. So, so due diligence has not yet been done on the pipeline. The science yes. has not been done on the pipeline. So good for them. All I got to say is science. All right. It finally uh, won out. All right. Rick DeMaio weather coming up next. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? <laughs> Welcome to Mr. DeMaio's Neighborhood. Hey, Mr. DeMaio, how are things today in the neighborhood? How you doing? Oh, the, <clears throat> a lot of leaves on the ground. Last uh, couple of days, mm-hmm. there was a lot of snow. And uh, was that was that the shortest fall we've ever had? I, I well, don't know if we had a fall. Uh, yeah, kind of, because weren't we at 80 degrees like three weeks ago or two weeks ago or something? <clears throat> um, October the 10th, uh, we had two consecutive days of 88 degrees, um, tied the record both days, and then three days later we had uh, one of the earliest trace uh, snow amounts. Trace is when you can actually see it on the ground but not, quote, measure it. Uh, And then we had our earliest measurable snow uh, just a couple of days ago since uh, back in 1989, and the first time we've had an inch of snow between that November 1st and November 10th period 
uh, all the way back since 1966. So uh, the weather has changed dramatically, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, and, and considering... Well, it's that peg, it's that, it's that blob you kept talking it's about. It's the blob. It's the blob. <laughs> Beware the blob, right? Yeah. It creeps and crawls. Uh, no, that it, it's interesting because I think the last two weeks Peg was bringing that up, and that's one of the reasons why you had the atmosphere basically do a flip with a huge ridge uh, across the eastern sections of the, of the Pacific Ocean, and that enabled the jet stream to create and carve out a huge trough over the middle of the United States. And we can see the cold air pretty much holding steady up there. I think we've seen this before during very, very active um, hurricane and typhoon seasons. We've seen these bubbles of warm air get pushed northward over the ocean, and you develop this large pool of cool air over the land. And then all of a sudden, the pattern just goes, okay, I want to stay cold. And then you develop snow cover, and then you get these little systems that kind of dig their way southward because they can. And then you end up with an early shot of cold and snow. But guys, I hate to tell you, or, or people who are like, uh, wanting to know how this comes into play for the upcoming winter. Um, I don't think it means much at all. Ah, okay. How so? Yeah. What, what What do you expect to have happen then? Well, well, it, it, it's it's too early for a pattern in, in early November. So I should say it's too soon for a pattern in early November to have an impact on the rest of the winter or what we call the long-wave uh, atmospheric flow pattern. Um, it's already showing signs of, of breaking down and us getting into a very mild flow uh, as early as Wednesday, and we can conceivably be back in the 60s around here by next week and in the following weekend as well. So um, even though this was uh, quite the impressive shot of cold air and quite the impressive shot of snow, I don't think it really means much for the upcoming winter. So that means we or can get the bulbs let's, let's in still. Way. What, what's that? Oh, you can get the bulbs. We can still get yeah, all of our bulbs planted. Yeah, I think maybe next weekend once the ground thaws out. But, uh, boy, the last couple of nights uh, down into the teen wind chills Friday night were just absolutely horrendous. I mean, down to about five above. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that and that was pure Arctic air. That was really, really cold stuff. I'm, uh, I And uh, given that, it makes you think, well, Gird your loins, here we go. But as you say, it's gonna it's gonna moderate a little bit because I uh, I was looking at some other forecast, uh, uh, an app I have on my phone, and it was saying maybe low forties by next week. But you're a little more optimistic, aren't you? Yeah, I think I think we can probably you know crack fifty degrees in, in some areas, and there's a couple of um, a couple longer range models that are showing that we get back into more southwest flow. Um, and again, it, it's on the backside of these, you know, large areas of cold, high pressure that move into the um, uh, Rocky Mountains that actually intensified um, the uh, winds basically coming off the Sierra Mountains, uh, Sierra Nevada Mountains. Oftentimes we refer to them as the Santa Ana winds, but the Santa Ana winds are something that's more so confined to Southern California. These winds were more so across the entire state. So when, when you think about it, um, we just had one of the largest wildfires in the history of California. Twenty-three people at this point are known dead. Mm-hmm. And here we have the President of the United States criticizing the state of California for poor management practices. I mean, is there anything, is, how, how low can this guy go? Uh, we're, we're still examining that. We're, we're still trying to figure it out. But uh, a lot of it is really 
it's uh, it's climate there and weather and, and dryness. Uh, how how would you? Well, from what I understand, is it's these waves of moisture that come into California and everything blooms and everything grows and then it all completely dries up and it's all tinder uh, out there. Which right. And then and then I think you got to look look at the fact, Mike and Peg, that state of California has thirty nine million people. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at the um, climate analysis center's site for drought, uh, they were only in D1 of the five um, categories of drought. You have abnormally dry, excessively dry, um, or no, you have dry, abnormally dry, excessively dry, um, severe drought, and extreme drought. They were in D1 out of, the, out of D1 through 5. And you're looking at this, you go, okay, this shouldn't be happening. Um, and in fact, the fire last year was started by uh, power lines that were literally blown down because trees were were knocked over. This was actually started doing a, uh, due, a, due to a truck accident or, or a flat tire that they believe started the rim. Um, the rim actually sparked, uh, you know, developed a couple of, you know, small fires, and then it just went, you know, went went bonkers. So we, we got to figure out a better way of trying to figure out, even when it's even remotely dry, how do you respond to something like this? So it, it, it leads us to much more difficult questions. It's not so much, you know, a change in, in climate or climate severity or variability. It's basically the population has pushed mm-hmm. itself into areas that almost everywhere now you have to worry about fires igniting and fires rapidly moving from one part of a county to another. Um, and again, I'm sure the fires like this probably occurred um, maybe years ago from a standpoint of how they started, but obviously they're spreading further due to the dryness, as you just yeah. alluded to, Mike. But they're also having a much greater impact on on people just due to the population growth. So And, and where they're building. Point, this yeah. is a time where you criticize. There's a point where we get together and try to figure out how to mitigate this stuff. Yeah, the Washington Post had a piece this week talking in part about so much building is happening. The fires have been here forever, right. but now homes and businesses are in the way. Yeah, and, and, and again, Peg, you know, you have people move in the rural areas of Colorado and Wyoming, and then all of a sudden they realize they're the only house on the block. So mm-hmm. what happens when there's a fire? Mm. Um, anyway, so that, that's, that's obviously another topic for another time. But I yeah. do want to talk real quickly, guys, about, you know, the midterms and, and some of the um, votes that came up. Uh, one that was actually disappointing out in Washington State was a plan um, that proposed, uh, you know, Governor Jay Inslee, uh, proposed a, a, a tax on carbon. Yeah, on, we, we on the one remaining. Yeah, Go ahead, Mike. we talked about that a little bit earlier. How it went down to defeat, and we were kind of uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about a um, little and, surprise and I, and about I look that. Look at Inslee as one of the leaders in in, in climate uh, legislation moving forward. I think he and and Gavin Newsom and and uh, could easily be a ticket in 2020. I'm hoping it's Joe Biden, but those two governors between Newsom and Inslee are some of the leaders. Um, in legislation from a standpoint of climate. All right, we got to get a forecast in here quickly. All right, so uh, mid 30s today, mid 30s tomorrow, mid 30s Tuesday, uh, low 40s Wednesday, and then warming up by the end of the week. But the good news no snow and no precipitation for the next four to five days. And white Christmas? <laughs> you asked that last week. We'll look more so at Thanksgiving. Next <laughs> I, I'm just going to be as annoying as I can and make you predict it, but you, you, you'll you dodge that pretty well. All right. Thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good.
All right, I want to thank everybody on the show. Melinda Myers, who, who came in, want to thank Ben Boquist filling in for Randall, Ellie, of course, uh, and, of course, uh, Rick DeMaio. Rick DeMaio, and that's how it works. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 